Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome along to the Gadget Guide show number 248 with the latest tech news and then we'll look at ways to automate your smart devices in and around your home. A fair few bits of sort of mergers, acquisitions, appeals, regulators and all of that to start with. Um, starting with uh, with Activision and Microsoft. So this is uh, uh, an acquisition that will they, won't they for... Well, uh, well, a couple of years I think we've been following this one. Uh, it's certainly been something that Microsoft have had uh, in their sights for a good while and it, it's been one of those love stories that been on and off there's been the uh, oppositions from the likes of Sony saying but if Microsoft by Activision are we going to lose Call of Duty on the PlayStation uh, which of course concerned all the PlayStation owners of course yep uh, but it's all recently been down to uh, the regulators uh, so this is in the UK the competition and markets authority um, equivalent organizations both in the US and Europe effectively they all have to say yes for this to uh, to go ahead UK has uh, has moved first uh, and the CMA has blocked the, uh, the the takeover saying that it wouldn't be a good deal for it to uh, to go ahead now they're their remit is to effectively protect consumers, make sure that consumers get the best choice, the best options, um, and stop any acquisitions going ahead that might reduce that consumer choice or lead to a, a worse world for uh, the people buying these games, buying the, the consoles. Because, of course, Microsoft have that very established presence in the Xbox brand, both in the consoles and the, the ecosystems, and indeed on, on the desktop as well. Yeah, yeah, you can certainly do a lot of Xbox stuff on your PC these days and uh, I think the consumers just don't really care as long as they can play their games on whatever platform they choose the the worry is if someone buys a gaming studio who also owns a platform is will they withdraw that game from another platform that might be a competitive platform like PlayStation is to Xbox or will it still be available to consumers in a couple of years' time? Uh, and I think it's that couple of years' time thing that's critical because uh, with with any deals like this, it's very typical that you hear the um, the the kind of oh yes, we don't have plans to change anything. You know, we're, this is good news for everyone. We're going to carry on as we are. And then, lo and behold, a year or two later, suddenly you get that, actually, well, after a careful review of our priorities, um, <laughs> we've decided to concentrate on this. Um, and uh, and suddenly that, that kind of reassurance that was given at the, the time of takeover yeah. um, has very much vanished into, uh, into the ether. Yes. So we will have to see what the rest of the world, that's uh, the EU and the US primarily, do as far as this is concerned Microsoft will be appealing against the UK's CMA decision uh, to see if they can get that overturned or reversed or, or basically uh, checked up on us whether it is it going to be something that they should even real, really rule on. Uh, and I, I think this is, yeah, Microsoft uh, apparently are furious, is, uh, is how it's been reported uh, with, with the blocking of the deal and saying it, you know, it, it destroys confidence in, in the UK as a place to do business. Uh, y you might argue that maybe ruling the other way might have had some effects on confidence for consumers. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not all about Microsoft's interests here. Um, but at the, at the same time, you know, what, what's this actually going to mean? And that one option is that you know, Activision, of course, have a large presence in the UK, as do Microsoft. You know, would some of that be moved out of the UK as a, as a market if this was part of a wider trend? Um, 
yeah, that that could potentially be a, a knock-on impact. But should that sort of threat necessarily change the decision, or should the CMA just be looking at you know what's what's the best outcome for consumers here? No doubt, not the uh, uh, not the last we're going to hear of this story. Of course, just recently, Microsoft have been switching uh, users over from Google's productivity applications to Office 365. They won a, a bunch of deals for UK government. Uh, operations who've been historically using Google's workplace now moving to Office 365. So that relationship is going to be an interesting one, I think, to watch as well. Yeah, like I say, I think there's there's lots more to be uh, lots more to be seen. Um, sticking for a second with the um, the, the the CMA, in fact, um, Apple have also been uh, up against them. This is in terms of their uh, their position uh, in the mobile browser market. So iPhone runs mobile Safari. And iPad, iPad as well, MacBook. Uh, yep, yeah, MacBook. Of course, you can go and uh, install Chrome or uh, uh, indeed Edge, even Microsoft's web browser. You can install on a MacBook. Default uh, Safari, of course. Yep, but that's not the case on the iPhone, where you pretty much Safari or bust. Um, and so there, there was the uh, the investigation by the CMA to say actually, are uh, Apple in effectively a monopoly position in the mobile browser market? Of course. They can only be in a monopoly position on the iOS, you know, iPhone yes. uh, and iPad. There's the other half of the market, uh, which is Android. Brackets, do we have a similar uh, kind of issue with, with Google and Chrome there? Probably slightly less not, so. Not really, because, I mean, if you if you buy a Samsung device, it installs the default Samsung browser. Yes. But you can install Chrome, you can install Edge. I think you can even install Safari on on Android. I'm not sure, oh, but yeah, I, I've never, I, uh, never I, tried that one. I do think it might be available. Uh, but yes, Apple, of course, appealed against the CMA. Um, and interestingly, so they, they took the CMA to the Competition Appeal Tribunal, the CAET, uh, who have sided with Apple. Yes, and and this was reported as uh, Apple won on a procedural technicality, um, which is basically that uh, <laughs> the CMA messed up. Um, and I, you know, it, it wasn't saying you know, the, that Apple don't have a dominant position, that there isn't a risk here. What it was saying is that the case was bought and decided incorrectly, regardless of the, the underlying facts. Um, you know, the, this judgment could not, should not have been made. I, I think this is probably something that uh, really highlights how some of these public organisations have to be incredibly careful when they're doing these sorts of investigations. Get, get everything lined up before they uh, go charging in and try to beat up a large corporate and then discover and, that and possibly it, they did it wrong. Yeah, and do it absolutely to, to the letter. And mm. I, I suspect this is something that consumers sometimes find frustrating. You know, why is it taking so long to sort this out? Why is it taking so long to investigate? Where actually it's you need to get it all right. Yes. Otherwise... It's like planning permission. Um, if, you know, if <laughs> it you drags do, on for years? It, it does drag on for years, but also the, the tiniest little slip-up can undermine, uh, undermine an otherwise uh, strong case on those procedural technicalities. So um, one to, uh, again, carry on watching. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, sticking with companies doing large things, our local Cambridge uh, silicon favourites, yep. ARM, yeah, they they have filed with the uh, the US SEC Securities and Exchanges Commission, um, saying that they are preparing to uh, to go to IPO, so preparing to go public on uh, one of the stock exchanges. IPO being initial public offering. Yep. <clears throat> so ARM um, at the moment uh, majority owned by uh, Japanese SoftBank, 
a very large investment company various portfolios but uh, arm is uh, is one of the large ones um looking to uh, to list on the stock exchange there was if again we go back a year or two uh, there was a lot of desire by the uk government that arm either listed on the london stock exchange or went for a dual listing uh for uh, uk plus one of the the us stock exchanges that's not looking like they got their way it looks like we're just going to see a, a us listing at least initially um, yes, which is not going to please the government too much. But there we go. It's uh, it's kind of Arm's decision to uh, to to make. Um, Arm reportedly favouring Nasdaq as the exchange that yeah, they the sort of US high technology uh, stock yeah. exchange. Um, SoftBank, uh, the current uh, current owners, still going to be retaining a substantial holding, so it's not going to be a, a complete disposal by them. Probably not surprising because Arm is you know, one of the the profitable entities of their portfolio. They've they've had some uh, slightly less successful investments over the last few years, so no doubt wanting to uh, to keep the dividends coming from uh, from a holding in Arm, whilst at the same time freeing up a bit of their capital um, to to go and pursue other opportunities. Yes, and this one hopefully looking a bit less controversial than other mergers and acquisitions, as it's uh, it's not a material change to the company's ownership. Uh, but just allows them those opportunities to grow the company. And of course, we did see originally um, that Arm um, were looking to potentially sell to Nvidia. Yep. Um, that was blocked on again antitrust, you know, anti-monopoly uh, grounds. Um, that never happened. The uh, the the deal got called off. We're now looking at this IPO. Um, so yep, when again, probably. I would say over the next year, two years, I suspect this is going to develop. Its uh, IPOs are not a uh, not an ever such a quick process. No, no, there's a lot of paperwork they've got to get right and get all of their financials absolutely squeaky clean before they go down that route. Yeah. Uh, moving across to Europe for some more news on regulators doing things. Yes, so this is ChatGPT, the uh, uh, the the new sort of AI uh, chatbot assistant thing that you can ask questions and it'll, uh, it'll answer you uh, in the style of a human. Um, that we uh, reported a couple of episodes ago uh, had been blocked in Italy. Uh, the regulator saying no, we don't. You know, we've got concerns over uh, how people's personal data is being used. We want this off at the moment. Uh, UK government saying something similar, but only as far as sort of government devices and some other public sector organisations doing similar, but not at a kind of consumer level. Um, it's now been restored in Italy. So uh, the regulator there saying that uh, a lot of the issues they'd raised had been either addressed or clarified. Some of it was around the age of users and them being worried that users under the age of 13 weren't being blocked from the system, which they uh, require in, in, in Italy because of the fact that they are minors and considered more vulnerable as far as personal information is concerned. Uh, ChatGPT saying that they will offer tools to verify users' age in Italy upon sign-up. Yep, uh, Bard, which is uh, Google's rival to uh, to ChatGPT, um, already has that. It's, uh, it's saying only people over 18. Yeah, you have to have a, a Google account in good standing that has been all verified through the necessary age checks before you can actually use Bard. Yep, so uh, ChatGPT back online in Italy. Um, meanwhile, sticking with uh, with the AI theme, um, <laughs> there this this is a. a a slightly bizarre story. Um, the UK apparently is uh, is looking to uh, spend about £100 million to develop its own 
uh, AI. Uh, it's been described as a, a sovereign AI. Uh, no, that's not a robotic king. Um, but <laughs> but but one uh, digital Charles. Yes, uh, that were one developed um, effectively for uh, uh, for for the UK with uh, sort of known UK provenance. Um, I, I guess lots of uh, lots of concerns here about you know, what what impact effectively having offshore technology uh, developed and being put to use in, in more and more of the ecosystem. I, I'm not sure what this is going to look like in uh, in practice or whether it's just a sort of nice easy pledge for the government to say we're going to do this. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about £100 million to establish a foundation model task force to basically do the uh, what is it, what are we going to do with it and, and what's it going to look like and where we're going to spend more money because there's talk of funding anywhere up to about a billion pounds to build exascale supercomputers and dedicated AI research facilities. So quite interesting as to how the government's going to um, well, what, spend the it, money. What's it actually do? And, yeah. and, and yes, what what benefit does the taxpayer get for their billion pounds that we're going to spend on this tool, thank you, to the government? Yes, and it, <laughs> it, it, it sort of, it smells a little bit like the the UK government bailout of, was it OneWeb, uh, the, the, the satellite low constellation? Low Earth orbit satellite competitor to SpaceX. E- exactly yes. that. And, that that hang, feels hang on, a little UK bit... government bailout of banks, but but I like at least with with OneWeb, it feels like there's a tangible thing, like that there is there is physically a whole bunch of satellites flo- I don't, I don't floating. I don't think there's a single, a single customer using anything yet, though. Yeah, yet. Yes. But but that sort of thing is inherent uh, inherently very expensive to develop uh, and very uh, time consuming to yes. develop. If you don't have satellites and the satellite constellations that are up are all externally controlled, then you end up in a situation potentially where you have critical national infrastructure that's not in your control. True. If we suddenly lose access to ChatGPT, will it I'm stop gonna, the country? Um, will it stop the country working? I suppose. Uh, is the question. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, does that actually? You know, w- would that lead to a serious national impact in the way that losing uh, well, l- l- internet access would? Well, internet access or Whitehall having no communication connectivity. Yeah. I think th- those are critical national infrastructure. I don't think something that can write a better email than any of us can do. Uh, yes, I'd even argue that it probably can't. <laughs> um, so less clear what the, uh, what the reasoning behind that is or whether it's just a, a sort of, um, you know, Way to to bootstrap some uh, some more startups. Sticking with the government and its ideas on digital life, uh, the the UK government is looking at a new bill to crack down on ripoffs, protect consumer cash online, and boost competition in digital markets. That's a mouthful and a half. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I I think we've probably all uh, experienced the thing where you look on uh, a, a sort of your online... Fa- your favourite marketplace online. Yeah, yes. an, an online retailer, and you look at a, uh, a widget. Maybe it's a cheese grater. And uh, you look at the reviews for the cheese grater. Five stars. And it's, there's hundreds of five-star ones. And then you look a little bit closer, and there's, yeah, suddenly there's, they're talking about potato peelers. Yes. On on this thing of a, a cheese grater, where you know one product, or, gets, or they all just say it's excellent and it does its job. Yes, um, uh, and you maybe wonder if these reviews truly are for your cheese grater, or whether they're for something else, or just made up. Um, and it's very hard to judge that, especially with more and more stuff being sold through those marketplaces rather than directly from the uh, the retailer whose badge 
you, know, you might see in the top left corner of the site. So yes, the Competition Markets Authority, we've been hearing a lot about them today, yeah. um, is going to have new powers to tackle businesses that breach consumer rights and uh, basically help protect us against dodgy reviews selling us products that probably don't actually match that review. Yep. Um, another thing trying to be uh, attacked in the, the same bill um, is uh, so-called subscription tracks uh, traps. So uh, this is sort of, you, know, you sign up to something, you think you're buying one thing and actually it turns out you're you're buying six months worth of it and you're committed. Oh yes, that's that's less than ideal. Or, or not having the opportunity to opt out after a six month yep. period and things auto-renewing. Those are all the sort of things that we're looking at this hoping to protect consumers from. Yep. Uh, where, where, where should we uh, uh, head ooh, to the, next? The, the NHS COVID app. Well, yes, you, it you is might no have, more. You might have had a notification on your phone if you had this installed. This was the thing that told you that you had been in contact potentially in the last period of time with someone who has tested positive. Yep, and this uh, this was announced that it was going to be shut down a couple of months ago. Uh, it has finally now died, so uh, no more COVID uh, contact tracing. Should point out, there are two apps. There is the NHS COVID-19 app. That is now gone. You can uninstall that if you currently got installed. The NHS app itself is separate. That is still very much going. Uh, that will still show your uh, COVID vaccination status, and that's still important for travel to some countries. It also shows you other NHS useful information, health advice, and can track more than just COVID vaccinations. Yep. Uh, they are looking at putting other uh, vac reportable vaccinations into that thing Certainly for the travel idea. I think that that idea of being able to show a digital sort of vaccination health, health passport, passport yeah. um, has taken a lot of favour from many countries around the world and seeing digital as a way to do this easily because everyone carries their phone with them all the time. Uh, of course, it also does other useful things. You can uh, order yeah, repeat, repeat prescriptions. You can Find see, a new GP. Yeah, see, see your history uh, with your GP and upcoming uh, appointments and so on. So it, it is the, the NHS app itself, very much still alive, um, worth getting if you haven't already got it. But the COVID-19 specific app, that's gone. Other things being shut down over the last uh, few weeks. Amazon are looking at closing down the Halo Gear uh, section. Um, yeah, this is cuts in the, the cloud environment. And we're seeing at anywhere up to 18,000 jobs at Amazon going around the world, obviously. Not all of this is UK-based. Um, yeah. Now, either... I have to say, I, I saw this saying it's going to be uh, um, shut down. I don't know that I ever remembered it existing even beforehand. I think it was one of those things that was going to be a, a an interesting tool that never really got anywhere. And it was Amazon's foray into health tracking. And we've, we've talked about health tracking before and pointed out that most of the time, the device you have in your pocket, be it a, a Samsung phone, be it any other Android phone, be it an Apple iOS device, all of them have got very good health tracking facilities, app and hardware based. And I think Amazon tried to get into this market and then realized that they didn't really have a thing in your pocket. Yes. They might have a digital device sitting on your bedside table or but in that your kitchen. But walk around with you. Exactly. So tracking health and fitness and sleep patterns is not something they've really had the, the tech out there to do for us. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, I think they tried it. 
they they couldn't get established. It's a tough market to get into, particularly if you're not in that sort of nearby ecosystem. If you're a phone manufacturer, then it's it's probably a bit easier. Um, and we're seeing this as a yeah, this is really a continuation of the um, kind of tech sector. Uh, downsizing that we've seen over the last year or so. Many of the big names, Google, Microsoft, Apple. Um, no, have, have Apple announced? I'm not sure Apple have, actually. They might be a, a, a an outlier there. A lot of these technology companies who recruited hugely during the pandemic now realise that they maybe did that a little bit too quickly, trying to bring things back down um, and concentrate on their kind of key areas. And all those ideas about, uh, you know, having something digital reminding you to take your lockdown walk. Yes. There's not really an idea of that happening anymore. Arguably, we should. I think, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Maybe we should have something that says um, it's time to take a walk. It doesn't matter what the weather's like. Uh, Go outside and do something that is not staring at your screen all day. Yeah, very much so. And then lastly, uh, in tech news, Windows uh, Windows 10 22H2. So this is the the latest feature release of Windows 10. Uh, Been rolling out in, well, the the last few months. It's it's sort of trickled out rather than... uh, Yeah, I think uh, think Microsoft being a bit cautious after some of their previous large releases breaking people's systems because of driver compatibility normally and it's normally been on display drivers that has been doing it but sometimes network drivers which is really bad because once your pc is off the internet it's quite difficult to update things yes anyway so uh version 22h2 being confirmed as the last update major update to windows 10 yes and to be clear the the security updates so the, the windows updates that you get sort of month in month out those are going to continue for another year or two uh, well, depending october on exactly, 2025 or thereabouts yes depends a little bit exactly which edition you have um but you've still got a few years life in windows 10 itself you're just not going to see those big changes to the ui where they move the start menu around and all of that sort of thing um so yeah, no rush to get off of it. Uh, if you have got a device that already supports Windows 11, maybe think about an upgrade. Um, if it, yeah, upgrade of the the, the operating system. Yeah. If your current device, like the one I'm using at the moment, doesn't support Windows 11, don't panic. But maybe have a plan in the next two or three years that uh, well, perhaps s- it's time start to saving upgrade. up for a replacement. Bear in mind that just because it can't run Windows, it might still be perfectly good at running things like Linux. And uh, maybe we need to do a, a gadget guide talking about switching to Linux as an option for people who might have older hardware or just exploring Linux as an alternative on on an old machine you've got lying around that you just need for casual web browsing. Yeah. So Windows 10 22H2, that is the last release of Windows 10. I'm sure I remember Microsoft saying Windows 10 is the last version of Windows. Yeah, back in 2015? Yeah. Yes, when they first launched it. So it's, it's had a good run, but uh, Windows 11 is the new thing. Uh, we'll be talking next about home automation, gluing it all together. Cambridge 105 Radio. In 1960s Cambridge, the Rolling Stones performed at the Rex Ballroom, Chris Farlow was on stage at the Alley Club, and Helen Shapiro played live at the Regal Cinema. On Sunday mornings, John Gannon takes you back to the swinging 60s with music and memories. John Gannon's 60s scene, Sunday mornings at 8 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. So, you want to promote and grow your business? Well, here's an idea. Get it in front of more people with a city centre location. Get a stall at Cambridge Market. 
With thousands of local customers, a stall at our bustling traditional market is the perfect place to promote your business and your products to potential customers. Get a stall from just £10 a day. Visit cambridge.gov.uk slash markets to get your application started today. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Sarah, one of CKLG's friendly tax advisors. Cambridge has one of the highest proportions of startups and early stage businesses in the UK. If you have an idea for a new business and are ready to get started, we can help you tackle the accounting, tax and financial challenges you will encounter. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life And we're going to be talking now about how you glue all of that home automation stuff together. So let's start well, with... We, we looked at this a few years ago. But yeah. things change very quickly in technology spaces. And it used to be quite complicated to glue things together. And there were a lot of vendors and there weren't many... Sta- well, everyone had their own standard. Yes. Um, in, the, in the last few years, things have got better for consumers. Um, and we've talked about some of the things that you might want to call home automation in your home over uh, the last number of gadget guides, things such as smart sockets. Yep. So this will be a a plug that you plug into a socket that connects to your Wi-Fi somehow and you can tell it to turn on and off. But you can also do things like find out how much power has been drawn by the thing plugged into it. And uh, you can you can set schedules, all those sort of useful things that you used to be able to do with those mechanical timers. Oh, blimey, that's yeah, uh, that's going back a bit, isn't it? Um, but also, we talked about smart light switches. So this is if you actually uh, own the wiring and you can do things like changing light switches in your house or get someone to do it for you, so it's done safely. Uh, or smart light bulbs, which we can pretty much do in any any building that we we live in or or work in, because that's a less invasive thing. Just changing a light bulb in a in a socket to something that can be controlled wirelessly. Yep, very much so. And so it, it is worth having a look. If you're new to smart devices entirely, um, go and have a look back on the Cambridge 105 Radio website. There's some previous episodes of the Gadget Guide where we talk about all of this sort of thing. Um, plenty of content to, uh, to to check back on there. Yeah, other things we talked about was smart appliances. So this is things that you might find in your kitchen, like your washing machine, your coffee machine. Um dishwasher, those sort of things. Um, but we also have talked about cameras and doorbells, smart doorbells. Yep, and the, this is the, um, I guess, the, the, the kind of the, the de facto uh, brand that everyone knows is the Ring doorbell, um, where you uh, you might see one of those, someone uh, rings your doorbell, it also appears on your phone. That being uh, an Amazon give, property? It, it is. Um, gives you a video of, of whoever it is at your uh, your door, the ability to, uh, to have a quick chat with them. Maybe you're not home or not able to get to the door right now. But, of course, plenty of other manufacturers yes, there as well. Google with their Nest range, Eufy, um, uh, an interesting company who make everything from robot cleaning things to doorbells and cameras, uh, another vendor as well. So plenty of choices in that market as well. But once again, you've got all of these different brands, and if you've got a device from Eufy, and you've got a device from uh, Amazon, and you've got a device from Google, and you've got a device from, let's pick a few, Govi, or uh, a manufacturer of plug sockets and light bulbs. Uh, you might have uh, Tuya Smart, who uh, produce sockets and controllers and air conditioning yep. uh, automation as well. 
suddenly you've got an app for every single one of these vendors. Yep, and certainly that's something I've found in uh, in the past. Often that can be the the quickest way of of getting up and running. So yeah. if you're uh, yeah, if you've just got your new uh, smart switch, smart socket out of the box, often the fastest way of uh, uh, of actually just getting that uh, up and running is to install whatever app it comes with. Yes, but that doesn't necessarily unlock all of the potential. So you know, maybe you want to tie things together. So um, you know, I've got a, uh, a smart light switch, uh, which is a, a sort of generic brand off of uh, off of the internet. And then I've got some well, sonoff. You can pick things up in your, your favourite place like Toolstation or Screwfix or, yep. uh, or um, Ridgens. And... Those just work. Yep, but, but there will but at be the same. Uh, at the same time, I've got that switch, but then I've got a different brand, uh, a Sonoff uh, socket, or maybe a Shelly relay, and I want the 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 you know the the switch from one brand to talk to the the socket of a different brand, yes. and that's really what we're going to be talking about yes. today. Or, or or you've ended up with two different light manufacturers, light bulb manufacturers, because you've got some on offer. And then the prices have come down because technology has got cheaper in this space and you've ended up with a different brand and suddenly you've got to worry about which app turns on the light in the bedroom versus the yep. light in the hallway. Now, your simplest way to get all of these to talk together and work well is use a digital assistant. Yep, and many of these do. Uh, there's a couple of big ecosystems. Uh, the Amazon Echo uh, so this is their, their various uh, either audio only or audio plus screen digital assistance, Google's home range, and of course, Apple's series. Yes, all of those. And of course, you, you don't necessarily have to have the digital devices from those manufacturers because all of them provide an app-based service yep. on your smartphone. And this can be an Android as well as an iPhone. So you can install, and obviously your iPhone has got Siri built into it. Your Google device probably has a Google digital assistant in it, but you can add the Amazon Echo digital assistant, Alex A, to either of those as well and use the digital assistant to drive all of your smart stuff. So let's take a look at why that might actually make uh, make life easy. And uh, the, these really are routines, tends to be the uh, the, the kind of the, the terminology used, at least for, uh, for Amazon and Google's products, is either Amazon Echo's routines or Google Home's routines. Yes, the things you might want to do is is something that does a bunch of smart device controls when you wake up. Yep. So the yeah the, this might be the sort of when my alarm goes off, then you want to turn off uh, turn on the bedroom lighting. Maybe before that happens, you want to turn on your central heating. Maybe you've got uh, uh, your heating linked into a smart device as Maybe well. Maybe you want to get a little bit smarter and you want it to go well. Do the lights provided it is still dark outside? Yes. Because that time is going to change through summer where you actually might not turn on the lights in the morning. Yep. Whereas in winter, you might need to turn them on a bit earlier. Uh, and by the same token, you know, if the outside temperature or if the weather forecast is less than 15 degrees, then turn on my heating. Oh, that sounds like a product. It, it does, doesn't it? It sounds like a product called If This Then That, and we'll yes. talk about that in a little bit. Uh, it has become a paid-for service, but it's not ridiculously expensive if you are talking about automating your stuff. But anyway, routines. So routines can be set up in your Amazon Echo devices as well as your Google Home devices, and you can do them also with Siri and other digital assistants. So you can have a... Uh, a routine that's triggered by a, a phrase or a word, and you can say to your digital device, good morning, which could then run a, a bunch of instructions. So things like, turn on to Cambridge 105 radio. Yep. Uh, turn on the heating 
if it's cold enough. Turn on my lights, turn on the coffee machine, and what else might it do? Re- uh, o- re- open the blinds if you've got one of those motorised blinds. Oh, I've not, uh, I've not done that bit yet. I know that you can get blind and uh, indeed curtain rail controls. Though those I, always, I have uh, learnt if you're buying blinds these days from from one of those big blind manufacturers, they all yep. do smart options now. Oh, interesting. They've all learnt that this is the thing that people want is is motorised blinds with LXA integration or. Siri, and uh, then you can ask your digital assistant to do that job for you as well. Yeah, very, uh, very nice. Of course, it's not just the the smart devices around your home. It can also bring in all of the information you need. So maybe have it read the news, have it read out the weather forecast. Yeah, yeah. Tell you whether you actually are going to need a raincoat this afternoon when you're on your way back home after being out. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, this can try, tie into home security as well. So, for for example, if you said something uh, to trigger a routine as you left the house, you could then say, okay, I'm out now, and that could put all of your security cameras into a certain state. Yes, also uh, a lot of uh, things like lighting systems have a, a fake presence yes. uh, setting where it can simulate people being at home by turning the lights on and off Obviously not disco style, but you know, no, a light but, comes but on random, for a few minutes yeah. and then turns off while you are not at home. And because you can tie your smartphone into a lot of these digital assistants, it can use your phone's location to know that you have left so the you house. you don't even have to say, I'm going out now. To do useful things like, yeah, set the, the security profile for your house. So maybe your smart doorbell now starts being more aware of packages being delivered. Your heating turns off because... You don't need to heat an empty house. And the lighting goes on to make it look like someone's at home and has the TV on. All of those sort of things. And and maybe maybe turn on a digital speaker to play Cambridge 105. Just so it sounds like someone's at home. Well, I'll tell you what, that's all the things you can do with your existing home automation and digital assistance. Coming up next, other ways of gluing it all together. Yes, making your light bulb do something at the same time as your smart speaker or in conjunction with it, or do things based on sensors in some of your smart devices. So this could be something that's telling you what the temperature is outside or sourcing that information from the internet because it's a good place to to do things like know the weather um, and then doing things based on those inputs. Yep, and that's the sort of the main concept here is we look at some inputs, we want to control some outputs, so things that are actually going to change or do something Um, and then from those we build some triggers and some rules. So when this input changes from high to low or from you know this temperature that temperature or for the or time of lighter, day or, or, gets or lighter, yeah. yeah the sun rises or the sun sets or a door opens yep then when any one of those triggers happens then we want to do a thing uh, or set of things yes and that could be as we said multiple things that you want to happen at a particular time or or, or at a result um but it could be things that happen on a daily basis so we might have something that we set up a a scheduled trigger so that's something that we want to happen every day at a particular time like your alarm clock Yep. But maybe a bit smarter. Now, we talked about digital assistance as one way of doing this and the routines on uh, things like the Amazon Echo devices and Google Homes. Um, But if you don't want to have a digital assistance in the mix, um, there are some other bits of software and other services. And one of these that's been around for a little while is IFTTT. If this, then that. Yes. Now, if this, then that used to be free of charge to use, it is now a subscription-based service. There are plans available from fairly entry-level plans. Uh, the free plan does a 
bunch of basic stuff. So you can get absolutely started for free without spending any money. Play with the routines, play with what's available, see what's available. If you need more features, more facilities and smarter things to go on or you want rules doing really sophisticated stuff, subscriptions are about £2.30 a month. Okay, so that's uh, that's one option. No, uh, no hardware needed. Uh, nothing that you need to set up on your own computer. Um, but if you want to do something a little, uh, a little more local, then there's some options there. So we'll start off with one of the early players in this market. I, it's still going, but I would probably say um, it, it's been superseded a little. And this is something called Domotics. D O M O T I C Z. And this is something you might normally run on something like a Raspberry Pi. So maybe you've got a Raspberry Pi kicking around. Um, they're a little bit tough to buy at the moment. Hopefully that should be getting better in the next few <laughs> but months. if you've got a Raspberry Pi 3 kicking around, an older one, yep. those It'd be perfect. can do the job just fine. Yeah. Um, so this is something you run and then you can access it through either your web browser on your phone or your tablet or your PC um, or an app installed on your phone. But it runs entirely within your your home and it can talk to a bunch of different stuff so some things like your wi-fi controlled sockets it can just talk to straight off other things like maybe uh some of the uh the particularly cheap sockets that maybe don't use wi-fi they use their own uh radio protocols you might need a little bit of extra hardware for or, or a, 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 dong a dongle to yeah, talk either to things a, yes. either a dongle or a bridge or they go by slightly different names but normally um, you can talk to it. Two interesting projects that are available in the open source space are OpenHAB, OpenHAB, which stands for Open Home Automation Bus, and also Home Assistant, uh, both available free of charge to download uh, OpenHAB at openhab.org, Home Assistant at home-assistant.io. Both can run on things like Raspberry Pis, but also if you've got a smarter NAS, uh, Network Attached Storage, and we've talked about those in the past, that can big, run... Big box of disks. ...applications, and some of these can run an application system called Docker, which allows you to run little web applications like these, uh, can run on those. So you, you might have something already that can run these. They can run on a PC or a... Uh, older laptop that can't run Windows 10 anymore, for example. True. Running yeah. Linux. Um, both of them are pretty interesting projects that can talk to a lot of smart devices. Both also have very good user communities where people have done things already. Yep, so you don't have to, to necessarily be a software developer to get something running on here. Um, you can go to one of their, effectively they have their own app stores, and you can say, right, I've got this sort of uh, smart light switch. Please, please give me an integration for Home Assistant. Some of that Home Assistant even will, will discover things that are yes. on your network straight off. So if you install it and it's a, a very simple sort of one-click download and uh, copy it to a, a, a memory card for your Raspberry Pi and then it'll walk you through that setup. It'll actually say, hey, you know what? I found, I found this light bulb. Yes. I found this Shelly Relay. Yeah. I found this air conditioning yeah. unit. I found this light bulb. Uh, would you like me to start controlling them for you? Yes. And as you said, the the effective app store or rather solution store uh, lets you do things like find I've got this particular light sensor that knows when it's dark or light yep. but I want the lights to come on based on that and if it's too dark and you can download those routines without having to do any work yourself. Someone will have done it already. And yep. because of these communities growing so fast with a lot, of, a lot of geeks, yes, absolutely using them, people have shared their knowledge into those communities to make it easy for anyone just getting started to actually be able to implement the solution very quickly and make their lives effectively smarter. Yep. Uh, with any of these solutions, by the way, um, we 
uh, Home Assistant Open Hub Demotics, they all run entirely within your house, yeah. but all of them have options for being able to get at them when you're out and about. Home Assistant, that is a paid plan, is the simplest way of doing that. Uh, you give them a, a few quid a month and you can then get at it when you're out and about as well. Um, the other ones, you have to do a little bit more work yourself, uh, maybe either adjusting some settings on your home Wi-Fi router or using uh, something like a, a VPN tunnel. So Home Assistant, if you want something that's going to be easy to use out and about as well as when you're at home, uh, that's probably the simplest one to uh, to get started with. Very much sort of a web page type interface. You don't have to touch any code if you don't want to. Yeah, maybe let us know how you're getting on with getting your home automated. Drop us a note, gadget at cambridge105.co.uk. Yep, that's all we've got time for on today's Gadget Guide. We'll be uh, back in a couple of weeks' time with uh, a new episode. Uh, meanwhile, coming up after the news, it is going to be Les Ray with Strummers and Dreamers. Cambridge 105 Radio.